Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. This is not the dulcet Australian tones of one Ben Vallis. This is Wayne Spoony here in the host chair, so bear with me. I've got my uh, co-correspondent from the East Coast, Celtics Jay. How you doing, Jay? Uh, well, you know, uh, the the current Celtics Reddit pod lawyer on retainer has just demoted me and, and put me into the, the, the side host chair, but you know what? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Feeling good about it. It's a power power struggle that I'm currently at the top of for a very short period of time. This is like, and a, our New Zealand oh. correspondent is with us, Joe. Joe, how you doing? Yeah, good boys. It's always good to talk about a win. Tend to avoid talking about the losses. So <laughs> plenty of totally plenty, unintentional. Uh, plenty, totally unintentional. Yeah, plenty of energy for some chat today, lads. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, man. Mm. So let's let's jump right into game two. That beautiful game two. What. Uh, Jay, why don't you start us off? What was the biggest difference for you uh, from games one to two? I mean, for me and the, the way that I tend to just respond and react and, and enjoy the game, it, it's the body language thing. You saw with Smart and Horford back out on the court, there's just a different level of focus. That being said, they kind of came out looking a little sleepy right at first, but Ime brought them in on that timeout. They seemed to come out after that, um, knowing kind of what they needed to do and wanted to do. And it was in this game. <clears throat> that I feel like we really saw them take the lead in determining like the pace of the game, the flow of the game, that we were moving the ball as we wanted. And Smart clearly had a huge role in that. I mean, the double-double, uh, 12 assists, only one turnover. I mean, that man just had his hands all over this game and just seemed to come in determined to to make a statement, really, more than anything else. That we're not to be trifled with. Yeah, Joe. How about you? What What are your thoughts on on the the biggest differences? I mean, was it just personnel, or did you think we were playing a little differently, a little bit of both? Well, to be fair, I've probably watched game two a lot more closely than I've watched game one because you <laughs> right. know we lost. Um, but but what I noticed and uh, just offensively, when Horford's out there with our starting group, I think. Um, I think Miami just misses Lowry too much because, I mean, Struess has got to be out there and Struess has just got to be on someone that he can't guard. I think they started right. him out on Al and I was just like, what? That's not going to work. 
you know. And on 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 defensively, um, having Smart out there, I think, uh, well, it puts Jimmy in a position that he's really uncomfortable because Smart was not switching off, right? Smart was going nope. through screens. And look, when you're taking away the thing a team wants to do, you know, you're winning, really. Eh? So, um, so, so I sort of felt like you know they couldn't get. They couldn't get um they couldn't get Jimmy onto Al that easily. Not that Al's a great mismatch for them anyway. So I just sort of thought it just mucked them up too much. And I just just when the Heat were on defense, I was just like, man, there's always a problem for them to solve here. Whereas it doesn't seem to quite be that for us. So yeah, that was what I noticed. It just felt like we just had one almost like we had one extra player. You know, that's kind of how it felt to me. <laughs> And yeah, to, like they're on a, a red card or something. To put another interesting ahead, note, because um, when you look at the minutes allocation for this game, and obviously it'll look a little bit off because of the blowout dynamic. But that being said, um, you know, we were fortunate in being able to limit Al to just 32 minutes. You know, both of the Jays were just around 30, 31, 33 minutes for um, 31 for Tatum, 33 for Jalen. Rob only played 20 minutes. And again, we we're still able to have, you know, a pretty commanding control of the, the game the, the full way through. Smart, though, plays 40 minutes. And so I actually wondered from both of your perspectives and, and Spoons, I'd like to hear it from you maybe first is, do you think there's a particular reason or that that's telling us something? Or is that just kind of coincidental that, that Smart ends up playing the most minutes in this particular game? Uh, first of all, Jay, I'm the one hosting, so I will be asking the question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Old habits uh, die hard, you know? You know, I it, it was bizarre that, you know, we were up 30 and Smart was still in the game. So I wonder if Yudoka was like, look, he's feeling good. He's missed four days uh, of practice time. He's probably barely touched a basketball in that time. He had the boot on. I wonder if he was like, I'm just going to let this dude go out there and really get into a rhythm. But, you yeah, know, I'm not. I thought that was peculiar at the time. I mean, Pritchard was playing well enough that I felt like he could have protected a 30 point lead for the last eight <laughs> minutes of that game with you know maybe you keep grant out there or something but i don't know i i hope that doesn't bite us in the ass but i've not heard any reports of smart feeling sore or hurt afterwards so man i almost wondered whether the actual injury occurred early in the milwaukee series and it was like there's no way he's not playing game <laughs> right. six and seven against milwaukee but hey we can afford to probably have him miss game one in miami because if we get a split, that's more than enough. That's kind of what I wondered, eh? I wonder if anyone, you know, any of our loyal commenters, maybe they saw him. Because I don't remember the foot sprain thing happening. I don't know if anyone saw no, me either. Yeah, that Joe, I got to like tell you, I tweeted something pretty similar in, in theory, just thinking, you know, I feel like the Celtics at this point have kind of created or, or established a pattern of, you know, there's certain games, they're always trying to win. But there's certain games that it seems like they kind of decide they're willing to lose. And then when they change their mind, they seem very keen and able to do that. Like, they don't seem interested or willing to do that for more than one game. But they do seem to have this pattern of every now and again, they just kind of, like, let their foot off the gas a bit. Um, But they're usually resting a guy or two when that's the case. And so... Hey, if he's feeling good and he's going to be a plus 31 with a double-double, nearly a triple-double, then... in in Marcus and Ime and the Jays and Brad, we trust. Yeah, yeah, and I would on the offensive side of the ball because Joe, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's like Miami can't 
solve us defensively. They just don't have really any answers. They don't have any answers on the bench either. So in that vein, I want to talk about Tatum's performance because from my perspective, I thought this was like a really mature, intelligent performance from Tatum. Like it just felt like he didn't force anything. He was making the right read, the right pass. And Joe, I know at times, uh, for good reason, you've been critical of Tatum. Like, is he starting to change your mind a little bit with some of these performances? I mean, second half of game one, maybe not so much, but the first half he was great. And then I guess he kind of ran, ran out of gas. But what are your thoughts on Tatum's performance in this game too? I mean, I, I always stand by my assessment retrospectively, you know, of what I'd seen up to that point. Sure. Where you get wrong is, 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 is uh, extrapolating it out, right? So, right. you know, like the question I've asked lots of times is like, what is Jason Tatum? And, you know, I think he's like, he's clearly more than a Jimmy Butler type. He's just so much more capable offensively, you know, um, that's great. You know, he's to me at least at a Paul George type level. Is he more possibly? Um, yeah, I think he, he clearly has a calming effect on the team. You've pointed out like how effective he is with um, good shooting guards. Um, well, really just playmaking guards, eh? Like, smarter, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, look, hey, we've been winning, and it's, you know, he's the most important reason. Um, and, look, man, I feel like we pro- we might be the best team left. And if we're the best team left and Jason Taylor's the best player, like, he's good enough, you know? He's not Kevin Durant, but, hey, it doesn't matter, you know? And, and um, yeah, I'm... I'm a fan, first and foremost. I'm happy to be Hell have yeah. my doubts proven wrong, you know? Yeah. Yeehaw. I don't know. Yeah. Like, do you where, where do you where do you guys sort of feel he is or is going to be, most likely? I don't see any way that he's not at least in MVP discussions a few times throughout his career if if he's not gonna inevitably end up winning one. I, I, I just especially if this team is gonna continue the way that it's playing they're they're built right now sustainably right they're built where they can kind of keep this team together for at least a couple of years here without too much strain and stress now thinking about how they kind of build around the edges a little bit to kind of you know continue to to reinforce over the next couple of seasons that'll be interesting to see but it's hard to it's hard at this moment right now to perceive anything other than a positive outlook for this squad regardless of what the outcome for this season is at this point so I see him in that conversation. Yeah, I, uh, you know what his performances are reminding me of, Joe, is the 2019 Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors, where he didn't have another superstar next to him, but he had a secondary star in, I mean, Siakam was incredible. It's weird to call Siakam a secondary star, but he's probably pretty close to Jalen as far as like yeah. where they rank in the NBA. And then it's just surrounded by a bunch of guys who have no weaknesses and complement Tatum slash Kawhi almost perfectly. I mean, he's averaging 28, 6, and 6, 59% true shooting. And I, I don't think you can argue his defense has been anything but elite in the, de- in the playoffs. So that's who he's starting to remind me of. His offensive game's a little different because Kawhi is just kind of a gets to his spot more methodically. He's a mid-range guy, probably a little better getting to the rim, but Tatum's got the shooting edge on him uh, from three. I think he he's more aggressive with the three, and he, he's just better at them, gets them in 
uh, more ways than Kawhi does. But that's what I'm starting to feel like his impact is getting to. Uh, he's not as consistent as Kawhi yet, but he's also younger than Kawhi was during that run. So that's really what this team is starting to remind me of. So I think to your point, Joe, like you're not good enough to be the best player on a championship team until you prove you are good enough to be the best player on a championship team. And, you know, we might be on our way to seeing that. And we'll get to that. I, I, I At the end, I, we're going to do kind of an overall temperature check. But uh, so one thing I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, though, is we made 23s again. That's a shitload of threes, right? Do you guys think the threes we were getting and just generally how we played offense was sustainable? I mean, do you think, because the Milwaukee game was really up and down with our shooting, and if we shot under 36%, we lost. If we shot over, we won. I mean, do you see a replay in this series, or uh, do you think maybe we can get to the, get into the paint more, get to the line more against this Heat team, Jay? What are your thoughts? Well, the interesting thing for, especially game two here, is, you know, we shot we shot well just from everywhere in this particular game, and, and we were able to get to the basket and make plays at the rim quite a bit as well. Like we weren't like against Milwaukee, we were just really reliant. We were living and dying by how we shot from the three point line. But here we get the threes going a little bit and then that opens up things. And then they're able to start attacking the paint a lot more, especially when Bam's not in there. Um, So, I mean, they shot 50% general field goals, 50% from three. I don't think we can count on shooting 50% each game, but I also don't think we're going to be as dependent on it as we were against Milwaukee. And yeah, I'm not seeing too many options that they have to shut down the guys the way that we're able to attack them right now. Well, I've got this kind of sort of avuncular approach to analyzing the game (laughs) and, um, and earn threes go in unearned threes don't. Yeah. Um, and I, (laughs) Okay, what do I think is sustainable? I think it's very sustainable that we're going to get inside out like looks at the threes. By that I mean, you know, a pass coming from inside, either by a dribble penetration or from a post up. Because when Struess is on the floor, he's guarding Horford. Horford's going to post him up, or someone's going to, <laughs> or Horford's going to set the screen, and someone's going to switch onto him, and and all of a sudden, like Miami's going to be in rotation. So those shots are going to be there. Do I think we're good enough to make? enough of them yeah yeah i do um but there's gonna be a game where we don't <laughs> right you know and and right um i guess i would prefer to see us probably just establish ourselves physically a little more um earlier on i'd probably prefer like i was just like why aren't we just why do anything fancy just go straight to Horford in the post you know like something something good's gonna come from that bam's gonna rotate over you know that's a lob for for Rob, you know, there's there's a lot of things we weren't doing, um, but um, yeah, that that particular mismatch disadvantage for the Heat is is kind of intractable, I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's, I mean, it just goes back to the fact that they just don't have enough good defensive players, and that's part of like how the Celtics are built. Is everybody on the floor can hurt you on offense in some way, uh, and I mean. Damn, is it beautiful when they're getting to the rim and they are moving the ball and Grant Williams is hitting all these wide open threes from the corner. Uh, But one guy that, Jay, you briefly mentioned, but I think that we all just need to have a nice long love fest here. 
user loader l o t r c r r had a post on the sub lord of the rings 7 years ago <laughs> lord of the rings yeah, yeah i believe What's so what crr uh, i don't know i, I don't know uh coming to you live from hobbiton here uh, lord of the rings <laughs> yeah tolkien's <laughs> tolkien's cousin yeah. legit my cousins, my cousins my cousins my cousins live over the back from from the actual middle earth set yeah anyway yeah, i was gonna say you're like right next door right <laughs> yeah, <man. Joe? laughs> oh the owner was just at our work yesterday like legit hit me up no for chance. tickets guys yeah <laughs> yeah uh so d- does that make jimmy butler sauron or <laughs> yeah, <maybe> saruman yeah. <laughs> anyway he's gonna be right, looking like post, gollum the by the end of the series sorry Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 please. Seven years ago today, the Boston Celtics were awarded the sixth pick in the NBA lottery. And then in the comments, it was actually eight years ago, but it was then that we drafted Marcus Smart. 24 points, 12 assists, nine boards, incredible defense. Some of these clips of Smart Ding up Jimmy Butler where he just doesn't miss a step. He fights over three screens. Like you said, Joe, he never let... Jimmy off the hook and get an easy switch. He fought over everything. I mean, that was an absolute masterclass. And Joe, is that was that the best performance considering the stakes of Smart's career? Um, which what was the game against Milwaukee where he just dominated? I think it was Game Six against Milwaukee. Yeah, for me that was probably a little more dominant uh, offensively. Yeah. Like he he did push. He he um at the start he rushed a few shots. Um, but defensively, man, he just gave Butler nothing, eh? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to say, like, I'd probably a little more offense-weighted in the way I view it. Um, sure. But, man, Smart just makes magic happen. That's his, that's his thing. And there's always a little play like the Adebayo and one, you know, like, just no one else can do that. He's the best. I know, <laughs> yeah. Jay, please take take us away. I know you've got a soliloquy you want to deliver here. I don't, I don't know about no soliloquy, but <laughs> but so there's the, I've had a couple of nice opportunities during the postseason, especially um to to revel a bit in the recognition that Smart's getting, especially from sort of the the main the more mainstream uh, fan base across the league as well as the media, but. I mean, everyone's just seeing and acknowledging now what I think those that are the biggest fans of Smart have been seeing from the day that he got here. And I mean, maybe it's showing in in some ways that other folks are appreciating a little bit more. Um, But he's the same guy. Like, I think there's very little about Smart that's really changed other than he's just grown and matured like anyone would. And he's he's really entering into the prime of his career. I mean, he's one of the the veterans on this team that's been here for a minute. I mean, he's closing in on a decade in the league. So this is what you would expect from a guy at this point in his career. Um, you know, he's really hitting that Kyle Lowry type late bloomer, as it were. Late bump, you know, late bump. and not for nothing. But there was a particular member of this particular podcast that had brought up, uh, you know, some some ideas that maybe smart was on that kind of trajectory. And. What is the most, I think, really enjoyable is is now hearing folks in the media legitimately discussing if Smart is that dude, that third star on a championship contending team. And I'm I'm looking at the way this man is playing in the postseason. I'm looking at the way that the games change when he is in the game. And I'm starting to, like, I already believed 
in Marcus Smart as an all-star. But <laughs> obviously. But I've also <laughs> understood that that's a certain amount of biased irrationalism in a lot of ways. But I'm starting to get less convinced of that and more convinced that it's a really legitimate take at this point. This guy, here's the thing. He's he is even smarter than I think people give him credit for. And excuse the pun, right? But he understands the players that he's guarding. So he knows that he's got to defend different players in different ways. Like a guy like Giannis, you just muscled the shit out of him, right? Like you've just got to be right. able to hold your ground. A guy like Butler, you got to get in his head a little bit. Cause here's the thing about a guy like Butler. He has a momentum and he's an emotional cat, just like smart. If you let his enthusiasm for the game start to blossom, Butler's going to be a problem for you all night. He'll hit some shots. You never thought a living human could hit. Because he just gets into this like different space psychologically when his emotion gets tapped into the game like that. But Smart is just like that. And we, you saw Smart making some crazy ass shots, shooting behind the backboard, flying out of bound when he when he gets himself all locked in. But you'll notice a big difference between game one and game two. You watch Jimmy Butler's body language. You watch the way that he's communicating with the rest of his team. You watch those same dynamics in game two. He never got a chance to smile in game two. He never got a chance to to give out some some enthusiastic high fives in game two. Marcus Smart made sure of that. I got this mate, and um, he he left school at like sixteen, and um, he went farming, and um, he like we, like we all do, like, as we do. <laughs> well, around here, yeah. I mean, his his parents owned a farm, so he had a silver spoon kid a little bit. But anyway, he is just like. He has this innate like knack for trading things to make money. He never loses money on a car. He never loses money on cows. He always smashes it on the farm. He's so good. Now, if we were to sit down and do like uh, do like the like the equivalent of your SAT, I'd smoke the guy. I'm way right. better at school than him. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking about Jalen and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's like my mate, right? My mate who just who just has a knack for making intelligent trades, like an intuition for for business. Jalen's a little bit like me. <laughs> Jalen would smoke Marcus at the SAT, I'm sure. But there was a play in the first quarter where um, Jalen was on Jimmy and Smart was on Struce. Struce sets a screen for Jimmy. Marcus goes with Jimmy because that's the original matchup, right? And they should be switching yep. the screens anyway. JB just stays with Smart. You know, like it stays with Jimmy too. Struce gets an open three. That's the kind of thing, man. Like he's on another level basketball intelligence wise to to Jalen, particularly. I'm sorry to pick on Jalen because he's he's a good guy and he's a good player. But you know what I mean? Like that's just an example of smarts. Just he's just got the knack. You know, he's just got he's just got this uh, intuition almost um, for, for basketball, and he's he's a genius. He's a basketball genius. He feels the game. He really is. Yeah, and it's like a cheat code having him be your smallest defensive player because (laughs) we can freely switch him onto Bam, and it's like barely a mismatch. Like he was, he was boxing Bam out, like and like clearing him out of the paint so we could get defensive rebounds. Like what point guard is doing that to one of the most athletic, strongest centers in the league? I mean, it's just it's absolutely incredible, and the way. Him and Tatum have really developed good chemistry, like setting picks for each other and hitting each other on the move to help the other one kind of get by their defender. It's just been beautiful to watch. And 
Tatum's come a long way with his basketball IQ, and I think in large part to playing with Marcus Smart and seeing how he kind of leverages momentum and spacing to get the most out of a possession, you know? One last note on Smart, too. If you you watch him, one of the things that I really like is, uh, and again, another difference between game one and two, he gets those passes right into the shooter's pocket, like knowing where guys want to catch that ball when when they shoot. Like you watch that pass, where he's falling out of bounds and he's kicking it one-handed to Jalen. It is right right in the spot for him to go right into that shot. Same thing with Grant. When Grant's getting a pass from Smart, it's right in his pocket, right? So he goes into the shot. You watch game one, you know, Tatum makes the right reads on a lot of those plays. He's going to the right space, but the ball's just not going right where they would want it. So they're having sure. to change that motion a little bit. And that'll all get like that'll get tuned up like that's I think that'll sort itself out this isn't a criticism of Tatum this is just I think like Joe acknowledging something that makes smart unique and it's nuanced in a way that it often probably goes overlooked especially you know from a more casual observation it'd be great at any team sport you know yes (laughs) I think most guys in the NBA actually wouldn't be that good at a lot of different sports like their bodies are too freakish but he would actually be unreal at anything he played, you know, mm-hmm. that he's just, um, he's just, yeah, he's just, he's just, just got such a, a knack for time and space. And oh, I love, him. I was actually Momentum. thinking, this is probably a bit of a sidebar, sorry, but I was just, I just brought up the 2014 Please. draft, another sidebar on a sidebar. One of my pet peeves <laughs> is when people bang on about one draft being weak and one draft being strong. The 2013 draft was supposed to be so weak. The 2014 draft was supposed to be like, have five of the next Jordans in it, you know? And guess what? Yeah. They're about the same, you know? Because right. it turns out that if you have a human population, you know, they tend to be about the same in terms of distribution of talent during during a given year. But, okay, so you draft Jokic ahead of Smart, you draft Embiid ahead of Smart. Anyone else? Would you draft anyone else? Would you draft Randall ahead of Smart? I wouldn't. No, not even. No. You, you mean Hell all no. NBA Randall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or would, oh, you, draft, would you draft Levine ahead of Smart? Maybe that's some people, you know, some people might. I wouldn't. No, look, not on our team. I would rather have Smart on the Celtics, but I think there's teams who would probably rather have Levine. So if that makes so sense. So maybe Levine ahead. Wiggins, yeah. <laughs> get out of here. Hell no. Aaron Gordon? No, I would totally rather have Smart. Okay, uh, who else is who's good? TJ Warren, of course not. You know, and now you're out. So we basically got like the fourth best, fourth best player there. Like, and it, it, at the time, it sort of was like, oh, do we do him or Randall? That's how I remember thinking. Yeah. Um, or Gordon. Yeah, Aaron same. Gordon was another guy that was being discussed. Well, Gordon, Gordon went us. fifth. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think we probably would have taken Gordon if he was there, though. It was a home run draft pick, man. And it took it's taken a little while to get to that point. He's always been a good, positive contributor. But to your point, Joe. Two years ago, I'm not sure we're saying Smart's the fourth best player in the draft, and now I'm very confident he is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like Jay, maybe you were, <laughs> and maybe he's the third. Maybe you he's got to put an asterisk for Celtics, Jay. Um, all right, uh, Jay. Unless you had one final thought on Marcus, um, I've got another Reddit comment here for no, us. No, we should move on because I I can give you okay. comments about Marcus Smart until the day I'm I'm in the dirt. So let's let's <laughs> no, keep it moving. We'll go three hours if we keep it up. User um. Omatic in the next day thread said time Lord looking like his late season self again is so exciting to see. And 
I think Time Lord maybe has not been totally 100% full throttle Time Lord, but man, he's looking so much better than the Buck series. And and Jay, <laughs> he's just swatting the shit out of people. Jay, like, what are you seeing out of Time Lord? Do you agree he's back to 100%? I mean, or does it not matter because he's good enough to have a huge impact anyway? Yeah, I think, and we talked about it in some previous pods, this one, this is just a matchup that works a little bit better for him. Um, I think the yeah. challenge for him is actually when, when he's got to play on the floor at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, as PJ Tucker, because TJ Puck, TJ Pucker. Uh, <laughs> that's a spoonerism <laughs> P- there's a PJ. lot of there's a lot of consonants you could go to there. <laughs> so pj tucker he you know he's a guy that because of his size and the way that he uniquely plays his position he he's very clever with the center of gravity and so because of that when when the ball goes up, it makes it tougher, Rob, because Rob's such a vertical threat, both rebounding offensively and all these things. Whereas PJ Tucker is like he's low and then he's moving you. And we've already seen Rob take a couple of spills as a result of other folks getting underneath him. So um, yeah. I think when PJ comes off the floor, you really see things open up for him because then they don't really have anyone that can challenge him at the rim, save for Bam. But Bam's so busy having to be, you know, considerate to everyone else on the floor and be their primary, you know. Uh, guy separate from Jimmy Butler on the perimeter that it kind of opens up the game a little bit more. I do like, again, I noted the the lower minutes that Rob had in this game, uh, you know, only, you know, just shy of 20 minutes. So I like that, you know, we're giving him minutes. We're letting him kind of slowly ramp up. I mean, we see that he's looking a bit better, but ultimately, you know, five points, four rebounds, you know, the three blocks looked great. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's the way that he's looking in the time that he's on the court more than maybe like the statistical production. Um, But you're also, and we brought this up the other day too. We're also seeing those tip passes again. And that just changes the game for us, especially on the boards, because there's so many boards that we're not able to necessarily secure in a genuine way. But then he's able to always make those taps that go right where they need to go. Whereas when the other guys are typically trying to do that, it's it ends up kind of wild. I think the only other guy that's got a good instinct with that is is probably Marcus Smart. Those those two guys are probably the most gifted instinctual passers that we've had on the team since Rajon Rondo. Yeah, so the only difference is Smart's got technique. Rob's got pretty bad technique. He's got all the feel for the game in the world. He's yeah. got great vision, but his technique is awful, man. He's out there throwing it like a tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> He still hits people with him, though. Yeah, Joe, are you? How are you feeling about Rob's return? Do you think he's uh, looking spry again? Yeah. Um. The the knock for me on Rob was, you know, the, the Charles Barkley is a bit light in the ass, you know. And as Jay's <laughs> yeah. pointed out, like, 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 like Tucker's just gotten right underneath him <laughs> quite a few times. So. We're gonna yeah. be calling him Pucker for Bullied the rest him. of time. <laughs> PJ Pucker. Instead of trying to help, you destroyed a brother. <laughs> I can't say those yeah. words because I can't. Yeah. Anyway. Um, when, um, when did yeah. I stop being anyway. the ridiculous one on this podcast? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah, no, Rob's. Uh, I think the one thing, the great thing about Rob is a lot of his positive impact is almost like invisible. Because guys are just scared to go near him when he's at the rim, too. And I think that just has a benefit that 
the stats don't show to your point, Jay. The um the the role that Tucker plays for Miami is very conducive to allowing Rob to play that, you know, help like he's the classic guy yeah. that we put on put Rob on, right? You know, as a Roma and Al just defending the guy at the screen. Um they haven't managed to get Rob in a lot of pick and roll situations, eh? Um, which maybe is an adjustment to expect going forward. Um, I think he's a better guy to attack than Al off the dribble, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And one thing um, going into this series that I actually thought was interesting was a, there was several conversations and podcasts and stuff I listened to about which team has the better bench. Uh, and right now, the Celtics bench is second in the playoffs in scoring. And two big reasons for that, I think, are two guys we at least got to shout out briefly here before we move on to game Grant three. Williams and, and Grant Williams Keister. No, yeah. <laughs> but three guys, Grant Williams, Keister, Grant Williams, and Peyton Pritchard, man. Uh, Pritchard hitting Tyler Hero with the two small is maybe one of my favorite moments in Celtics history <laughs> at this point. Too small and he's outplaying he's outplaying Tyler Hero. Their numbers are almost identical, and Pritchard's been way more efficient. So I just shout out to the bench guys. I mean, Grant has just been absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I really I, I want to try and get the rubber going as a nickname for PP. You know, so I just because he looks like, like it. he looks like the he looks like the rubber on the end of a pencil, man. So uh yeah. A little, little thumb-like cat. A handsome feller, that Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> the end of a Ticonderoga pencil. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout them out real quick because Grant really had himself a nice game. And Pritchard, now that's two in a row. Very good games from him. And really like four or five in a row because he ended that Milwaukee series on fire and he's carried it over and it's a game changer with grant getting his shot going again and his shot looks good again like it looks he he's shooting without the hesitation he's not forcing those um you know he's not forcing the issue to attack closeouts he's being more thoughtful and selective about that and when he's when he's locked in like that i mean it, it it messes the whole world up for whoever's trying to play us because he's so damn versatile it's ridiculous with Grant, uh, the quality of the pass matters so much, as we've sort of discussed. Yeah, he's for so sure. much better when he catches it high, and um, mm-hmm. it's just sort of, I just sort of noticed, like watching replays of him binning threes against the Bucks all day. Um, he jumps a long way forward on his threes, like a lot more yes. than most players, and it's quite hard to do that if your momentum shifting to the side when you catch it. So. Um, if a pass is coming out to him from the middle of the floor, he's going to shoot a way higher percentage. Um, and that obviously dribble penetration or, or a post-entry pass is going to precede that sort of a look. So um, I think he's going to get a steady diet of shots that he's well qualified to convert. Yeah. And I, they've I, Grant's been incredible on the defensive end. He's really Bam had like five or six points last night. And I think Grant and Horford's return are a big reason for that. And Pritchard's been fighting his ass off on the defensive end. Like, Jimmy got him a little bit in game one, but I didn't really notice him getting beat much at all in game two. I don't know if I'm crazy, guys, or if you agree with Pritchard on that end. Here's the thing to keep in mind, right? Like, Brad Stevens is a guy that masterfully found ways to hide guys like IT, Kyrie, and Kemba and be extremely competitive even in postseason against ridiculously good teams 
So the idea that Emei and right. Brad working together w- wouldn't be able to find a way to help a guy like Peyton Pritchard, who we've all acknowledged effort is not the issue with this gentleman. And he's not nearly as small as any of those guys. He's way bigger than those guys. Right. Way so it's yeah, like, especially yeah. IT. So, Kemba. you know, I feel like mm. a lot of, a lot of us maybe got like a, a certain kind of like pseudo traumatized. And I'm not trying to like overuse that <laughs> yeah. word in a hyperbole way and, and undermine like it's actual, you know, use in, in, in the mental health yeah, realm. But, um, you know, there's, it's not shocking to me that this guy can be competent on that side of the ball. Like we we've seen for just season after season, the ability for this team, uh, especially with, you know, Brad helping. And, and now what we've seen Ime able to do on, especially on that side of the ball. So it's, it only leaves you feeling very optimistic for what's still to come in Peyton Purge's career, because he seems super committed and he's got ridiculous talent. Yeah. He's always going to be at a mismatch against a big win. The, sure. the Zach Lowe right. apex predator type, but I don't think that heroes like, uh, like I don't think that's a mismatch that terrifies me. No. Hero's got an advantage because he's a little taller, but I'm fine. Like he forced Hero into a really tough shot um, sometime in the second quarter. I think. Yep. Um, he's more than capable of holding his own against second tier offensive guys. And listen, you always yeah, need sure. a Jordan Clarkson kryptonite guy. Yeah, you you need microwave gunners off the bench, and Pritchard not being a negative on defense, he's like kind of a neutral on that end, and that means you can play him and reap all the benefits of his ridiculous shooting and not have to worry about it. And he's really turned himself into a hell of a good player, man. That's been an awesome find by Ainge's last gift to us before he like rode off to the west, <laughs> made. Made his way west in his Conestoga wagon to Utah. Uh, <laughs> I we have to look at uh, uh, Conestoga I, wagon. <laughs> yeah, you ever played Oregon Trail, man? <laughs> uh, maybe that was maybe just an American thing, probably. But uh, let's. I'm sorry. Uh, let's do you have typhoid fever now? Oh, that's <laughs> those Conestoga wagons yeah. are those old school ones with the canvas <laughs> over the top. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Google. And before we move on to talking about Game Three. I have a Manscaped product alert. You asked for it and they listened. Our friends at Manscaped just brought back the ultra smooth package. It's time to stop, drop, and order this premium shaving kit. Everyone knows by now that the Lawnmower 4.0 is the best electric shaver for your balls, but if you're looking for a closer shave to go bare down there, the ultra smooth package is the perfect set. It's time to shave that bush of yours and get right to the roots with a discount just for you. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code CRPOD. The Ultra Smooth Package is a specialized groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking crop shaver razor, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. Men, you no longer have to borrow your ladies' razors for that precise trim. You know how it is, man, down there. There's all sorts of skin and hair and the ingrown hairs, hard-to-reach places. Well, with the Ultra Smooth Package, this should help smooth all those issues out. It's a three-step kit to make your package the perfect package. Exfoliate, gel, and shave. Step one is the Croc Exfoliator infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. 
And step two, of course, is the crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin with four essential oils. It's like a spa treatment every time you shave. And the, maybe the most important step is step three. It's time to shave with the Crop Shaver, which was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. The razor has three precision blades, includes extra wide lubricating strips, and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. It's not your average razor. It's smaller, thicker, with a micro comb bar that allows for the best shave possible from any angle. Beach balls are meant to be smooth, and now yours can be too. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, which we fully support over here at the Celtics Reddit Podcast, and of course, sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands without compromise. It's time to get up and close and personal with the best tools for the job, the ultra-smooth package from Manscaped. So, get 20% off and free shipping now with the promo code CRPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. Free shipping with the code CRPOD at manscaped.com. Please support Manscaped and in turn support the pod with that promo code CRPOD. Smooth out your fellas with the relaunched ultra smooth package from the fellas at Manscaped. Of course, your balls will thank you. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's head to game three, fellas. I got a Reddit comment here. Fight Davis Fight says... Man, I want to lean into the season five narrative with how impressive the full lineup looked last night, but the Heat are the one seed for a reason. <clears throat> Just can't let off the gas pedal, and our defensive and offensive talent advantage should win out. So we did not possess a lead in the Milwaukee series until 4 3. Um, Joe, what do you expect from them coming out game three at home, going back home cooking with the full lineup? I saw that only Sam Hauser is on the injury report. So maybe chalk this one up as an L without Hauser, but what do you expected from the C's as we move to game three? Uh, I expect we'll win game three. I expect game four. Like I'm, this is, you know, one of my things game four is in my view, the, it sets the tone for the series. So right. either a two, two series or a three, one series after game, game four. Um, I expect we'll win game four. I think Miami wins game five and I think we win game six. Um, it just fit. It, it, yeah, I think I've seen enough to. It just feels like we've just got one too many guys for them. We, we're just yeah. always going to be an advantage all the time. So yeah, we should win. So this is funny to me because we've seen this, and it's not like it's new for this postseason, but it seems to be really amplified this particular postseason, where where even the the mainstream commentary folks are are going to these extreme radicals like with however one particular game goes. So, you know, the Bucks beat us in game one and yeah, they're going to sweep the seas. The, the seas win game two. Oh, well now the seas are going to win in five bucks win game three. Right. Oh, well now the bucks are going to, you know, close this thing out and bought like, it just, there's so much sort of extremism happening after every single game. Here's the thing. At no point do I ever assume the Celtics are going to lose. I can't help myself. I have a sick problem uh, you know, it's, it's underdiagnosed. Probably there's, there's probably no actual tangible medicine that can help me, but I go into every game completely convinced that we can win. So I see no reason why we can't win this series in five. I think Miami's got their work cut out from, especially if we're able to keep all of our players on the floor, especially if we're able to get big leads and keep guys like Robert Williams and Al Horford on, you know, the lowest minutes that we have to, in order to ensure victories. Um, you know, 
it's it's a tough hill to climb up for Miami unless they're going to make an adjustment that we're not anticipating. We being like Ime and, and the rest of the team. And that's the one sure. wild card that I'll always have, you know, in the back of my mind and have some concern for because Spo is a legitimately very good coach. If if Lowry's healthy and kind of performs normally offensively, how does it change your analysis, guys? It doesn't. <laughs> I I I don't know, man. I think it's I think it would be a stretch to expect Lowry to come back a hundred percent. And even if he does, I just think we have just because like he tried to come back and he looked horrible. Um, so I don't expect a hundred percent Lowry, but if we do get a hundred percent Lowry, I think we are a horrid matchup for Kyle Lowry. We are just way too big and he's already lost a step, step and a half. Just he's like 35, 36, man. And unlike <laughs> Al where you can like, it's a lot easier to age when you're six foot 10 than it is when you're six feet even, and we're never particularly athletic. So and he would be replacing Gabe Vincent, who's probably been their second best player. So um, I, I'm not super worried about Lowry's return. I, I don't know, Joe. Are you like, are, do you have some concerns if Lowry comes back 100% or? Yeah, Kyle Lowry terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. like he um, offensively, like he, he really creates problems because he shoots threes off the dribble, you know? And that's yes. such a, oh, such a pain in the ass to deal with. And the other thing is, I don't know, man, I'd probably be switching out um, Struess for Larry, I reckon, because if Struess is in for Larry, like I just, I just feel like Larry's got a way better chance of defending like a big guy. It, it, maybe it's, maybe it's dumb than Struess does. I just, I have respect for Kyle Larry's posterior and uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a problem, man, when, when he's real, but if he's cooked, I guess it's it's moot, but yeah, Kyle Lowry terrifies yeah, me, I, man. He's killed us a lot. That's fair. That's fair. I'm maybe I'm underselling it, and he's obviously played really well in the bubble against us, and seemingly always plays well against us. I just think this particular team, how we defend, I think he would really struggle. But I think you're spot on. Lowry's like in the mold of Smart. He plays Bigger. defense way bigger than he actually is. So. Uh, but, Jay, I'm actually with you. I'm usually pretty conservative with how I think series will play out. I just don't think Miami has a lot of answers for how we're playing offense and defense. And short of a disastrous, disastrous third quarter, we dominated basically every other quarter in Miami where they were undefeated. So I'm feeling extremely confident, uh, much more confident than I was going against the Heat in the bubble. But what do we think? the heat have for because i've been racking my brain and i can't really figure out short of lowry coming back 100 percent i'm not really sure what adjustments they have i mean do they go offense and just say fuck it we're playing duncan robinson and hero and we're just gonna try and outscore them or do they limit heroes minutes and like go full defense because hero is an eastern conference finals worse negative 28 in these two games and shout out user go sports in the next day thread on that. So what what do you expect Miss from the Free Heat? Like, do, can you guys <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean what what are they going to do? Like do you think we see Bam posting up more? Like I I just can't think of anything any answers they can really have with how this team switches. Nah, man. Like the the thing is look, what do they want to do? Look, 
Maybe put Rob Williams in pick and roll. Make him defend yeah. the ball handler in pick and roll. That's the only thing I can think of that they could do that I haven't seen him really do. But that means you got Tucker as a role man, and Tucker doesn't want to be a role man. Tucker's, uh, right. you know, he's like, not good at that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not a lot. Yeah, right now, like for these playoffs, Jimmy Butler is doing the Jimmy Butler thing, and he's going out of his mind. He's averaging damn near thirty points right now. But then, you know, all they they've got what four other guys that they're over ten points, but none of them are like guys that can go out there and get it like a Jalen can consistently right now, right? Like. I think we would all agree Jalen has not had his best postseason this year. We've seen right. Jalen have better postseasons. That being said, uh, Jalen is still averaging 20-plus points for the postseason. Yeah. And so I, that's that's where, you know, the other day I was making a, a, some comments, and I, whether it was on the pod or it was in the watch party, about – you know, some aspects of Tyler Hero's game that I really appreciated and, and felt like, you know, he excelled at better than a guy like like Brown, most especially around the ball handling and, and playmaking off the dribble. But that being said, there's still just a level of consistency and ability to play up to the opponent that Brown seems to be able to do more naturally and comfortably, even though he's struggling to the Jalen Brown standard that we have for him. Right. So, right. I mean, I've never fully understood why Tyler Hero, given the the way that he produces for this team, is on the bench or coming off the bench. It's it's equally ridiculous to me the way that Oklahoma had always brought Harden off the bench. I mean they talk they talk their talk about how it makes sense, but it it doesn't make sense. Cause they, they need that offensive spark. I don't know what they're doing waiting to to have that offensive weapon on the floor. Because then by the time he comes in, you're taking Jimmy off you're you're taking you know uh, Gabe Vincent off or Bam off any combination of those guys so you're really only taking your best weapon and putting in like a third or second best weapon. There's not enough balance there. Like you've got to have him in with your starters so that he can try to take advantage of open looks that get created by a Bam and a Jimmy. And so if I'm Miami, and granted I'm not, and like I said, Spoh's a remarkable coach, so I would expect him to make whatever appropriate adjustments there are to make. But it seems odd to me that they wouldn't be going to putting Tyler Hero right into that starting lineup, probably taking out Struess and letting Struess be a guy off the bench that tries to be more of a spot-up shooter because he's not much to create off the dribble and he's not doing anything defensively that's helping them other than like sitting and getting a rest every now and again when Marcus wants to embarrass him. So um, it just (laughs) seems like if they're trying to get more buckets against this defense, then they need to put one of their best shooters and scorers on the floor with their other best scorers off the dribble so that he can take full advantage. And until they do that, I just don't see how they can try to exploit anything. (laughs) Yeah. I I, Go ahead, Joe. Oh, no, I'm just like, I was quite proud of my little comment. You struce, you lose, you know? And it's- <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Shout out to that. We got to tweet that. <laughs> All right. So uh, predictions on this. We'll, we'll uh couple more things, and then we'll wrap up here so we don't run too long. But it sounds like Jay and I have season five. Joe, you've got uh, season six, but we all expect a, a game three win. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. That, that, that so, Boston crowd is going to be ridiculous. 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 I can't wait. I cannot wait. So, all right, fellas. Not since 2010 have I felt this way. (laughs) This 
feels like something special is about to happen. I didn't feel like this in the bubble. I was worried without Hayward, we'd be in trouble against Miami. So, Toma, I feel like we need to lay down some Barry White, like smooth, slow jams (laughs) over spoons, girl. I haven't felt like this ben, since 2010. I can feel it ben, deep in my loins, Ben, baby. We, we need some post-production music piped in, please. I, 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 uh, I marked it. I time-stamped it. <laughs> Here we go. He's got the bass or the guitar out. <laughs> anyway, fellas, it's not since 2010 that I felt this way about something mm, in my life. Yeah, girl. <laughs> The way they move, the way their bodies shake. When you Sing move that ball, girl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. All right. So, but not to jinx it. Not to jinx it. Overall, fellas, the quest for Banner 18's been a long one. How are we feeling? Who are you asking? Who are you asking? Spoons, listen. So you know that hype video I made. You know that 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 beat yeah, that beat yeah, poet yeah, yeah, hype yeah. video yes. that I put out there. Yes, yeah. Let me Hell let yeah. me be completely transparent and honest about that. And and if anyone wants to fact check, you can you can check in with with Ben. I wrote and recorded that preseason, motherfuckers. All right, like <laughs> I've I've believed in this team since before the first tip off. Like this has had special written all over it. I'm telling you. This is some sh- going down right now. And if you're not watching, you need to change your focus right now. Get your channel dialed into what's happening on your TV screen with this team right now. Because decades from here on out, people are going to be looking back and be like, where were you when this game happened? Because there's some stuff Man, going down right now. I'm distracted by the R&B jams. And I just looked up uh, the lyrics to Too Close by Nix. Take your, take your baby when we're grinding. Mmm. I get so excited. <laughs> oh, how I like it. So the Heat try, but they can't fight it. <laughs> Marcus Smart's Ding up real close. The Heat's offense is real slow. We're making it hard for them. <laughs> so uh, that sounds like you're pretty confident then, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, for the hate. Yeah, this is my favorite show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh hell yeah! All right, yeah. I'm just, I, I just think I just wanted to acknowledge, man. Like it's not every season your team gets this close to the finals and really is the favorite <laughs> to make the finals. So it's special, man. I, I'm very excited. But before we go, quick piece of news here that dropped right before, like basically as we loaded up the pod. The all defense teams came out, and obviously Marcus Smart dun, was dun, on dun, the first dun, team. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> kind of a surprise for me, although he 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 certainly deserved it. But there's a lot of deserving candidates. Time Lord, second team all defense, Joe. How does that make you feel about Time Lord? I feel a little poke coming through. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they're admitting that they like have inadequate manhoods and that, a little poke coming through. Like, come on, dude. Can't you just say a poke? I'm singing this. Now I'm saying it. Uh, Jay, how you feeling? Time Lord, second team, well-deserved. Uh, so it, it's funny that so many of the, the folks that, you know, comment on this stuff regarded Rob Williams as, the best defensive player on the Celtics, and then he ends up on the all-second team while Smart ends up defensive player of the year. 
And and Joe, I think offline we were talking a little bit about how sometimes like these takes that folks are putting out there, and even sometimes the way that these all NBA teams shake out can can be kind of ridiculous. But ultimately, it's just solid recognition for a guy that's clearly put a lot of effort into trying to. I think more than anything for Rob, it's been about discipline in his game, right? Like he's got the physical tools, he's got natural talent, but for him, it's always been about can he can he build his his self awareness of like the time and place to put certain aspects of his talent and, and his, uh, you know, his physical gifts to use. Um, and we've seen him able to do that and it, it's helped him have, you know, more sustainable court time throughout the season. It's helped him be able to rebound from the injuries where he's had to miss a little bit of time. And he's been able to impact the game in a multitude of ways. I mean, not the least of which obviously being on the defensive end, it's, uh, you know, it's nice to see this team getting its flowers because, the overwhelming majority of guys on this team right now have really put in the the work over successive seasons and they haven't always gotten the recognition and the appreciation that they deserve, not even from their own fan base at times. And so it's just, I think really lovely to see that happening. You know, it was great to see Marcus get that recognition for the, the defensive player of the year. Hell yeah, It's lovely to see Rob get equal recognition for his contribution. It's criminal that Al Horford has continued to get, under recognized and appreciated for what he does on the defensive end throughout his entire career. Um, but you know, we can, we can probably throw all that shade, uh, in another podcast, but this is a team that currently as constructed is bloody beautiful. And it's just hard to feel anything, but just relentless optimism and enthusiasm for what's happening. I cannot freaking wait for this next game. I'm going to lose my mind. Folks need to come with come come watch this game with us in those watch party rooms because we're having a good ass time and this team has given us all sorts of reasons to to be jumping up and down and being ridiculous. Yeah, man. Well said, Jay. And I you know what? On that note, I think that's gonna do it for this one, fellas. Thank you for joining me. Jay, Joe, as Ben would say, love your work, mates. Until next time. 